morning and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Is this thing on yet? Breaker, breaker. This thing on? Thumbs up. Malia, can you hear me? You can't hear me? They can hear me in the cars. Yeah, they can hear me in the cars. Now Bob can hear me. Okay, good. Nodding. Hey, there's my mother-in-law. There's Mina. Hey, look at that. That's kind of fun. Uh, today... What's today? Today's January 17th, 2021. This is the first time I'm gathered to preach with you. I've I missed you. The last couple of weeks, we got COVID a couple of weeks ago. And uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for all the groceries you dropped off. Thank you for all the love. Um, it's so good to be back. I'm so grateful to God for each of you. Cornell, good to see you. You got a haircut. He's got a little joy, a little pep in his step. We got... Uh, what else is what? Do I have to do any announcements? Yeah, I think I have to do some announcements. Next week, deacons and elders, we were supposed to ordain them and install them last Sunday, but I was, you know, not here, so we didn't do it. So next week, we're going to ordain and install our new deacons and elders, and that'll just be a part of the service. I'm excited about it to see what a drive-in ordination and installation service looks like. The sun is shining. Hopefully, you can kind of tell even through the masks everybody's got some smiles on their faces uh, I'm really glad you're here I got I want to uh, welcome Patty Patty's gonna give us 60 years of choir history good morning it's it's been fun uh, talking to you about the history of the PCC choir and and how uh, we have been a part of this church um, today I want to talk you through a road map of how we get to our musical presentations. You know, there's more to it than just having 15 or 20 people, and sometimes more than that, process, processing up to the choir loft on a Sunday morning and opening our black choir folder, smiling and making all those notes sound like they're coming directly from, heaven, from the heavenly angels. It takes a tremendous amount of teamwork, patience, repetition, patience, listening to yourself and your neighbor, or maybe not listening to your neighbor, and just the confidence to open up your mouth and let that sound come out. And did I say it takes patience? You also need a sense of humor. You need to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at our director's jokes because he's pretty good at the jokes. For years, our rehearsals have been mostly on Thursday evenings um, from 7.30 to 9 o'clock. Depends on how long we stay for our prayer services afterwards. And the content of our rehearsals depends upon the presentations that we're going to be doing for Sunday or if we have a special holiday program. We arrive at church on Sunday morning, 8.45, and we rehearse again until we file into the sanctuary at five minutes to 10. We start our rehearsals with some vocalization and sometimes Cornell has a vocal coach work us through some exercises, and sometimes we even do some physical exercises. Uh, do you remember that children's song, Head and Shoulders, Knees and Toes? Well, that's one that our choir does. Holiday performances could mean some extra rehearsals on Saturdays or some very short rehearsals after church on Sunday. And we occasionally will have sectionals for the different voices. And of course, being Presbyterian, it doesn't take much prodding for someone to bring in some goodies to celebrate a birthday. 
Corey and Sam Allen are really good at that. The love and camaraderie in this choir is really sincere. You feel that someone has your back if you're a part of this group. And we are really looking forward to adding to our numbers once this pandemic is over. Yes, we work hard, but our Lord deserves the music that we provide. There's a statement that Cornell made at one of our rehearsals that has really stuck with me. When we were having a little trouble getting a piece of music together, he said, you don't need to be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. But we do need to be accurate. So that's what we try to be. We try to be accurate. Thank you. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 139, 1 through 6. And uh, if you could stand, that would be excellent. If you're in a car, that's obviously got some problems. But if you're at home listening to a podcast, go ahead and stand. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and my soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of, of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've come into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This, this is just too wonderful too deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me to wonder and strength. Let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Good morning. Uh, for today's children's message, I brought something a little familiar to most of you, I would think. That's right, Play-Doh. This is uh, a very 
common uh, thing to see in our household right now, especially. Everly loves Play-Doh. Um, so what words would you use to describe Play-Doh to someone who's never seen Play-Doh before? It's what? Squishy. That's a great word. Great word, Danny. It is. It's very squishy, smooth, soft. You can you can smash it up, right? You can roll it. You can pat it flat. You can make it into a ball. You can make it into all different kinds of things, right? Um, you can change the shape of it easily. You can pat it out, um, make all different kinds of objects. But they didn't have Play-Doh back when Jesus was alive. They had something else, though. Uh, it's called clay, and we still have clay, right? Um, back then, they used clay to do all kinds of important things like make uh, plates, make jugs and bowls and all kinds of different things. Um, so in the Bible, uh, the book of Isaiah tells us that, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. So in this, in this verse, who is the clay? Who's the clay? Us. Us, right? And who's the potter? Jesus is the potter, right? Okay, so why doesn't it call us like rocks or bricks or something that's already made? Well, I think it's because God is always molding us. He's always changing us. He wants us to be like his son Jesus. He wants to be in the process, right, while, while he's helping us and disciplining us and teaching us. He puts people and happenings in our lives that help mold us. Even when bad things happen, uh, he uses those things around us to shape us and, and, and to change us. Do you think God will ever be finished changing us? I don't think so. I think we're always in God's plan. We're always being shaped. Even, even those most seniors of us out there, right, are, are still being molded um, every day. So, so let's remember that, um, that no matter when good things or bad things happen to us, God is using them to shape us and to form us because he loves us. Let's stay soft and squishy and open to God as he does his work in our lives. Please pray with me. Thank you, God, for being our Father. Help us to be the kind of clay that your hands can work on so that we can be more like Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. And we now release the youth and children to their Sunday school. We now come before God, not as despised sinners, but as beloved children. And with the confidence of children of God, let us now humbly confess our sin together. Join with me. God of peace, you command us to love one another and live in peace with our neighbors. Yet because of our closed minds, prejudice, and suspicion of difference, we frequently choose violence and war. We discriminate against minorities and the marginalized, we suppress basic human rights. We contribute to conflict among ethnic and religious groups. We pray for wisdom and humility. Empower us by your spirit to embrace one another and walk peacefully together. In your mercy, 
Hear our prayer. Amen. Do not fear, says the Lord, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. By the grace of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's worship together, huh? Grow weary 
song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. I will pull. 
my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken I will pour my life upon your love it is a firm foundation I will put my trust Thank you, Danny. Thank you, worship team. It is so good to be back. I'm actually, I, I could just talk about that for another 20 minutes, but I won't. Um, we, last time I spoke, it was, we were in Advent, and we were, we were celebrating and waiting uh, for the arrival of our rescuer. And so then I took a two-week hiatus, but you guys kept learning. And uh, I wanted to say at the beginning of all this why we want to study Jesus going towards Lent, um, which is just around the corner. Time is flying by, right? This is bizarre. Uh, just a freebie. As he was saying, remain squishy. Did you, uh, you remember, did you hear Rob say that? Remain squishy? I, I gotta, uh, there's got to be a sermon title in there somewhere. I got I to <laughs> remain squishy. It reminded me of an uh, Advent series. Of, uh, it was a Christmas Eve a bunch of years ago. Um, I was in San Antonio, Texas, and I was the college pastor at the time. And it was, they had put me in the, the Christmas Eve service, like the midnight one, you know, like the one that ended real late. And uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I didn't write out my prayer. This is the last time I didn't write out a prayer. And uh, I prayed, God ooze all over us. And I, I pray a lot of times I have my, my eyes open and I saw everyone in the audience just flinch. <laughs> they all just cringed. They're like, oh, gosh, he just said ooze on a Christmas Eve. And then Conwisher, the, the, my head pastor, the boss guy, said, don't ever do that again. <laughs> and so I never did that again. But that's, that's a funny story about remaining squishy. It's not nearly as bad as ooze, but squishy, kind of in the same vein. 
the reason we want to study Jesus 2021, getting to know Jesus 2021. I have two MDivs, basically. I got a Master of Divinity, and I graduated in 03. We moved to Jersey as Malia was being called into ministry. She started a Princeton seminary. She's way smarter than me, a.k.a. And then she also, then she finished up at Fuller. So, and I was her ghost reader. And I was her ghost writer, and I was all kinds of, I never wrote anything, but she would, uh, I would ghost read stuff. I'd read books just because there were all these seminary books that I really wanted to read that you had to raid. I'll come back to that in a second, because that's one of the points of my sermon. So this kind of makes point. It's good. Hang on, people. Anyway, she's graduating from Extension Campus. We didn't go to her um, graduation service up in Pasadena. Still breaks my heart. It's one of those things that, you know, you're like, if I had that do that over again, I would totally would have paused everything and gone up to Pasadena and celebrated my wife. In lieu of that, we went down to the Rusty Pelican, and uh, they, they did a little graduation service for the Extension Campus. And Nate Feldmuth, history professor over at Fuller, that guy has forgotten more than I'll ever know. He was just sharing a couple charges to the graduates. And the first one was, he says, every single believer should read Romans 8 when they're discouraged about their identity. A guy named Origen, back in the day, he was a church father, um, he said every Christian should memorize it in Latin. He said that's the crucial identity passage of all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament combined. And so you can take that. That's just another freebie flying off the, flying off the cuff. And then he says whenever you forget who Jesus is, and what, you're, what this is about, because as Christian pastors and as Christian people, he's what it's about. He said you should sit down and it should take you maybe two to three hours, but you should read the entirety of Gospel of Mark. And so we're getting to know Jesus, and on the, on the, on the side shot, one of these times when you're tired of Netflix and you're tired of the Amazon, you're tired of the, the Amazon Prime, you've watched everything there is on the television. <laughs> Turn the TV off, open up your Bible, sit down and read the Gospel of Mark and get to know Jesus on a big picture. We're just going to zoom in and ask the question, what does this teach us about God? Because at every second of every day that he was ministering, he was teaching both in what he said and what he did. He's God wrapped in flesh. So we look at these different aspects in the Gospel of Mark at our Lord and our Savior, our King. And as we cruise into this crazy time, maybe this year we get to be more like our Savior than any other year before. I'm going to throw you under the bus, Randy, sorry. But... I was looking and he was sprawled out on the grass. He might have been sleeping. Who knows? But I was thinking, as we were singing, there is none like you. When are we going to get a chance to praise God and lay on the grass? You know? I, I, I just, there's things to praise God about even in the midst of this crazy and this dark, Right? We're under a tent. Look to your right and your left. Everybody looks a little grumpy, but that's because their face mask is covered. Wink. Maybe wink at each other. Uh, some sunglasses need to come off in order for winking to happen, but maybe some more winking needs to happen. That gets a little creepy, but uh, don't worry about it. All right, we're going to read. We're going to 
just zoom in on a couple verses. That's why I feel like I could tell a little freebies because we got just a couple verses to cover this morning uh, about Jesus the preacher. Jesus was a preacher. You know, anyhow, let's open, let's open the scripture up to Mark chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1. And we're going to do 35. And I failed to thank uh, Barry in my introduction. I want to thank him. Uh, you guys treated him like a, a king and you listened to him. And uh, thank you all from PCC. And just thank you for Barry, his lifelong friendship. That guy's money. Um, here we go. In the morning, while, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim or preach the message there also. For that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee proclaiming, a.k.a. preaching, the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Even further back before Malia graduated, I was working at St. Andrews, and there was a, uh, I was working in the youth ministry, and there was a guy, um, he was, a f he, I think he was working for Young Life. He was either Young Life or a Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And we were just talking one day, and he said, you want to see something amazing? You want to see something that will blow your mind? I said, have you met me? Of course. <laughs> Chris, I want to go say, what is it? Is it like a purple elephant? What is it? Like, what are we looking for? He says, I'll be at your apartment at 5.30 in the morning on Friday. And I said, I don't know if I want to see this amazing thing. But he said, okay, get up. Meet me right outside your, your thing at, at 5.30 in the morning, and I'll show you something amazing. He picks me up at 5.30. I'm a little grumpy. Sun's not out. We go down to this church somewhere in Irvine. I wasn't driving, so I wasn't even awake. I don't even know where it was. But we walk into this dark, uh, it looked like a gymnasium. It was, like a, it was a fellowship hall, but it was like a big one, and it was empty. And there were chairs in a round circle, a lot of them. And we got there right before six. And we were, we were like there were three or four people gathered around in the circle. And then as time went on, we sat there. And my buddy just said, as we're walking in, pray. And as we're sitting there, people slowly file in. I'm there from six to seven, totally pitch black. And by the end, there was probably 500 men gathered in this gymnasium in Irvine, praying. Put my head up, the lights went on. They said, hey, let's eat breakfast, let's, sit, let's listen to the preaching. They did a Bible study or something. I don't know. We didn't stick around. Me and my buddy, we left. 
He said, was that amazing or what? I said, that was absolutely amazing. Jesus is teaching us a fundamental truth. You don't pray for ministry. Prayer is ministry. Talking to God is our oxygen. Listening for God's voice is our reason, is our power. N.T. Wright writes this, Behind the public activity and the controversy, we'll talk about that next week, how it's getting controversial, but lay Jesus' life of total dependence on the one he called Abba Father. This obviously was the source of his authority and his power. We're modeled by our Savior, get up early, before the sun, talk to God, listen for the Father's voice. Be guided, be directed, be empowered, be equipped. Next verse. First, the disciples hunt for him. And then the disciples show up and say, there's all kinds of people looking for you, Jesus. There's all people. Everybody wants to be around you. What does this teach us about Jesus? What does this teach us about God? It teaches us we're doing something wrong. Wherever Jesus went, people came to him. People flocked to him. They knew they would be loved. They knew they would be accepted. They knew they would be challenged. They knew they they would see the truth and be introduced to the truth by the person, Jesus the Christ. We are Christians, right? Many Christs, little Christians, little, little Jesuses. That's what Christian means. When we go to places, we repel people, right? I don't think everybody's looking at me like, oh, you're coming down hard, Jason. I'm just talking about us as a church, like church, capital C. We're doing something wrong in the people that wanted to hang out with Jesus do not want to hang out with us. Something has to change. Something has to change in those prayer times that we're talking about. We're not relying on our Father enough, or we're not representing our Father enough, or we're not handing our lives over to the Spirit enough. There's something blocking the road, and we are not doing the primary thing that Jesus was called to do. That's what he says next. What's he say next? Let's do it. That's basically what he says next. Let's do it. I'll go back to how I learned how to read a book. It was unfortunately way too late in my seminary career. 
because uh, I had spent so much time, because um, teachers, when you get a master's degree in, in divinity, you read a lot. You read a lot, a lot of books. You read a lot, a lot of opinions. You read a lot, a lot of thoughts. And there's a lot of just sitting down and making yourself do it. And it wasn't until late I ran into this. He was a, his name's Russ Spittler. He was a professor at Fuller. And he said, every single person going into seminary, and I should pass this on to every person that's going into college, especially with your English degrees or your, you know, anything that requires a lot of reading. They should learn how to read a book. And they should purchase this book. It's How to Read a Book. I don't remember the title of, of the author of it but go out and buy it or rent it from the library or something like that. How to Read a Book by Somebody, Somebody. And it teaches you how to read a book and not read it, but rate it. And it's a cross between like you put this book on the ground and stepping over it and then reading every single word. You know, it's an in-between of that. You know, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I was kind of a flake as a student. Uh, when I was in elementary school and grade school and stuff like that, and somebody would tell me to read something, I would go over it, meaning like I would fall asleep on it and my, while I went to bed. You know, like I was, that was me reading <laughs> the book. You know what I mean? Is anybody else like me or no? No? Nobody's like that. Okay. Courtney's not like that. She's a super nerd. She could never miss. Anyway, anyway, uh, this guy who says how to read a book, you read the introduction and you find out the author's reason for writing the book. The introduction is the most important chapter or the most important part of every book. That's what this how to read a book says. Because you're looking for the sentence, you're looking for the sentence, I wrote this book too. And you find out that, whatever that is. And then you look in the table of contents to find out where, he's, where he or she's going to be bringing that up, and then you find out whether they do it or not and do it well, whether they have make a good case or a bad case. And most books, they're just reiterating some, somebody already wrote about. Don't say you never learned nothing at church, right? This is kind of nice. That was probably improper grammar. Malia's been really on me on my grammar lately. What was the, anyway, that's a long story. Why did I go into this whole Russ Spittler story? Why did I go to this, how do we read a book? What did Jesus just say in our text? What is the reason Jesus came? Why? Why did he come? To set us free. To proclaim the good news. To proclaim the good news that we're not alone. Our maker, he loves us. He's coming after us. And he's relentless. He came to proclaim that we're free. This is fitting because we're right. This is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, right? That's what Martin Luther was all about too. He was all about pointing back to Jesus the Christ saying, the way through this isn't by being revenge or winning or 
trampling the competition. The way forward is to turn the light on and to love and to proclaim that our maker absolutely adores us, that our maker thinks about us, that our maker knows how many hairs are on our head, how many times we're going to blink, how many times our heart's going to beat in our lifetime. How many stars there are in the universe? And he knows our names. He knows our middle names. It says in the scriptures, he has our names tattooed on his hand. You know who else has a tattoo of somebody's name on their body? My little brother. My mom. There's a day that my brother and I and my older brother don't miss my mom. And that tattoo reminds me, Jesus, God, the Heavenly Father, has his name has my name on his hand. Who's got tattoos? Do you care about that thing or not? Yeah, amen. Well, there's some people that probably got a tattoo that was, not, you know, not the wisest of choices, but I won't, I won't call that into question in the scripture. I just, I'm just way off on a tangent. But I just want to point back to this text. Jesus came to set us free and proclaim. To proclaim the good news that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's going to get to that. Notice that right in the end, he says, and to cast out demons. What does that teach us? What does that teach us? Think about that for a second. I think it primarily teaches us that the line between the spiritual and the physical is not present in Jesus' ministry. Jesus knew it. Paul the Apostle knew it. All the scripture writers knew it. There's a world that's unseen that's actually more important that things going on there than what we see and what we hear. Behind all of this political strife, behind all of this racial divide, behind all this socioeconomic warring and bickering and fighting in our country, there are spiritual forces at work and the devil, evil one, whatever you want to call him, is having a heyday. And what's his first, what's his first you know, tactic? To go after the primary thing that Jesus said later. He says, you know, how you're going to prove that I'm real? You're going to love each other. The devil's first tactic is to try and get in between you and I. Us as brothers and sisters, and then us as a church, and then us as church worldwide. How do we apply any of this? I don't even know. Let's go with this. Get up early. How's that for pragmatic? Get up early tomorrow. Don't turn on the TV, don't open any books. Don't even turn any lights on. Don't turn your phone on. 
Go somewhere secluded. And I don't think it has to be outside of your house. Go somewhere secluded. And talk. And listen. To your heavenly father. Next. Soak in the truth. Why did Jesus come? You and me. He came for you, Kim. He came for you, Dan. He came for you, Dick Clark. Kathy Rasmussen. He came for you. He came for me. And he came to proclaim, and he came to teach, and he came to tell me on behalf of the, of the Father, I care about you. I want to set you free. And then, most of us in this, we all know that, right? Yes or no? Nod your heads or something. Wink. <laughs> I can't see you, wink. <laughs> but do we really know it? Like, uh, I remember my father-in-law. There's two things I remember about my father. Uh, like two, two sh- actually three huge advice moments. One of them was when Zeke was born. The next day he came to me and he said, "Say goodbye to your weekends for the rest of your life." <laughs> That's awesome, right? And so then when he and he said, and then another time was when I was interviewing. It was one of my early jobs, and he said, "If, if you're interviewing for a pastor's job, you minister to whoever's interviewing you." And that's pretty much how I got it. That's how God brings me and where he wants me to go. And the third thing is, get good at the fundamentals. That is terrible at grammar. My wife is just gleaming. But that's how he said it. So you can yell at your dad for that one. But just practice the fundamentals. Maybe we shouldn't go to that third step of joining Jesus. And maybe that's what we're doing wrong as a church, capital C. Maybe we don't understand the gospel enough to tell anybody about it. Maybe we need to hang back a little bit and realize how loved we are. And realize how good the good news is. And realize how free we are and not trapped to all these things that other people think that we're trapped to. We should hang out in one and two, and then when you're ready, go to number three, and that is join Jesus in why he came and tell people about this amazing love that is more attractive and more beautiful than anything this universe has ever seen. Amen? Amen. Oh. I got a call for the offering. <laughs> I was like, I just dropped the mic, threw it down. I'm like, oh, what's up? Okay, today is still January 17th, yeah? January 17th, 2021. And for the podcast listeners, uh, you can mail in your tithes and offerings to P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And for those of us that are here at this drive-in service, there'll be offering plates at the stations that you came by when you came in where you got your bulletin. Um, 
and let me just say, I've, I, 2020 was, chalk it up to one of the worst years of my life. Uh, this COVID-19 stole my first Easter. Stole my first Pentecost. Stole all kinds of stuff that was going to be pretty amazing. Um, but one of the anchors has been the steadfast love of you, you and your neighbor right there. This church has been drama-free. We've loved each other. We've tithed and we've given to one another. And we've moved in the right direction. Although we've almost made steps in the wrong direction at every time just because they keep changing the laws on us. But I just want to praise God for getting us through 2020. And financially, we're well in the black. Everything's taken care of. We're a family. And we pulled together in this amazing, and I think that's an amazing witness to the people around here. So kudos on you and continue to give to God his tithes in your offerings. This morning's offerings are now received.
people of God, for the sake of the world that God so loves, let us pray. Almighty God, we pray for peace in our communities and in our nation, for safety in our homes and streets, for the prosperity of our neighbors and the health of family and friends. Tomorrow, we celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday, and we remember again the words of his I Have a Dream speech. In 1963, he proclaimed, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, that all men and women are created equal. We still have that dream, O Lord, we still see great inequality in our nation. We thank you for the amazing diversity in our world. Make us instruments of your love, agents of your justice and peace. Strengthen us to work for unity and harmony between people of every race, color, and creed. Enable us to respect all of creation and to love one another as ourselves. And where there is hatred, let us sow love. In just three days, a new president will be inaugurated. It is a time of change in our nation. We commend to your merciful care and guidance our new leaders, that we may live securely in peace and prosperity. Give all in authority the wisdom and strength to know your will and do it. Help them always to remember they are called to serve the people. We pray for an end to violence that we witness too frequently. And we pray that as a people we seek to find peaceful ways to deal with our differences. Heal divisions. Bring peace, we pray. Grant to all who need it healing of body, mind, and spirit through the ministries of the church, the medical professions, and health care institutions. Renew our strength day by day and give healing and health to those absent from us because of illness or accident. Bring healing and pain relief to Barbara Ceccarini. Heal all whom we name in our hearts. Comfort those in sorrow. Dry their tears and lift their eyes to eternity and the reunion awaiting us. May the Christ grant healing to our bodies as well as peace to our minds and hearts. We pray today for the many experiencing the COVID sickness. Ease their symptoms. Bring healing to their bodies. Restore them to health and to their families. This morning, we ask you to bring healing to the Leahy family, to Brian, Christy, who is hospitalized, and their children as they all fight the disease. Be with Buzz and Keith as they continue the journey for recovery. And we give thanks to see the many faces here today who have recovered from this disease. Bring an end to all of this, we pray. Help that the vaccines be available to all soon 
and that they may bring immunity to us all. Send us out in love with open eyes, hearts, and ears. Make us true neighbors to one another and true children of your calling. We pray in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Did I already say I love you? I kind of feel like I yelled at you a lot today, but I uh, honestly, look at what time it is. I thought it'd be way later. I two weeks off and I still didn't go like two hours. That's pretty amazing. You guys must have been praying. You're like, seriously, land it, Jason, land it. Uh, but another people, I, I, very amazing for coming up the bat, but I feel like the last couple of weeks of me being taken out uh, by this COVID-19 thing really gelled our team together. And you know how God kind of forges through tragedy things that are just beautiful. I don't know. I have a new love and respect for Sharon, teammate, and Danny and the band, and Cornell, and uh, Carrie and Rob. God really has brought us together recently in a cool, cool way. And I can't thank him enough that I work with just phenomenal. You guys are an amazing team. And I'm really proud uh, to be working with you in the same way of trying to proclaim what Jesus called us to this morning. Um, all that being said, I'm also very glad everybody's here today. And I, I just missed your faces. I just, uh, I wish, uh, if you could somehow kiss your own face from me, that would be a beautiful thing, uh, okay? Um, anywho, please stand if you're able, and I'll give us a benediction, and uh, hopefully I'll see you next week. Uh, May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.